My beautiful wife Margie and my daughter, who's back there, is Gabby. Gabrielle is her name. She is uh, 10 years old, and I have a Natalie Joy that's 12 somewhere. I think she may be taking Santiago, who's my youngest, who's eight, to Sunday school. And uh, God be with that Sunday school teacher. Amen. Um, open your Bibles to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 3. I'd like to share with you something that I'm sure you've heard of before, portion of the Word of God that you are probably familiar with, and uh, just uh, want to share my testimony, a little bit of what God has done in my life, and uh, encourage you to come this evening. Um, we're going to be sharing a little bit of what God has been doing in the country of Venezuela, and uh, how we've been able to uh, share the Word of God, and God has just done an amazing work. But Venezuela is going through a very difficult time, we'd like to share a little bit about that as well. Uh, but to, to be brief, and just because some people might not be here tonight and some weren't on Wednesday, we are the RC family. We're church planters in Venezuela, serving the Lord in Sanare for 11 years. I grew up on the mission field. Uh, my grandparents, my parents, my uncles, my, my brothers, and even myself uh, have been called by God to serve on the mission field. I'm proud to say that I am a third generation church planner. The Open Door Baptist Church is the platform that God has given us to be able to reach our community, uh, reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God has given us the opportunity through the Open Door Baptist Church to reach out to the public school uh, system. We've been able to bring them uh, teachings of basic Bible principles for the students, for the parents, uh, for the whole community. We've been able to do uh, medical clinics for the community as well, absolutely free. And through those, we've been able to reach them with the gospel. God has also given us the opportunity to go to these churches and uh, help the families who are struggling to rebuild their marriages, to reach out to their children, and uh, teach them what the Bible says about family, about marriage, about growing. As years went by and the church continued to grow, we were confronted with the cruel reality that many of the kids, about 80% of them, they came to every church activity were hungry. Hungry to the point that some of them were showing uh, signs of really poor nutrition. So again, self-logic, uh, and in a time with lack of food, it's everywhere in the country, we really take a step of faith and we start something that we call Feed the Children Ministry. At that moment, we didn't even have uh, equipment to prepare much food. But in my mind, I have this dream that we can uh, prepare food for at least 100 children. Right now, and by God's grace and God's mercy, every weekend, about 400 plates of uh, healthy meals have been served through the church. We believe that with the equivalent of $2, we can fit a children with a well-balanced and generous portion. And we know that God can do this. And not only for the ones that are already coming to church, but being able to carry this ministry even to villages far away. 
We want to invite you to be a blessing to the Venezuelan people in this very difficult moment by sending donations with toilet treats, non-perishable food items, clothes and shoes for children and adults, basic medicine. You can also send financial donations towards the Feed the Children Ministry and also help us to continue to be a blessing to national pastors in Venezuela. We just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for partnering with us throughout these years. Thank you for praying. We cannot do this without your prayers. Thank you for giving, for helping us go uh, to the country of Venezuela, a country that we've loved and that we've been able to invest in. And uh, we've been able to share God's gospel. You've been a part of this. Thank you. We are the RC family, your missionaries in Venezuela. Thank you so very much and God bless. Amen. As I was saying earlier, just encourage you to be here this evening uh, just to get a little bit of an update of what our plans are moving on after 11 years of ministry in Venezuela, what God has for us in Venezuela, in Venezuela now. Um, we're in the book of Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. And uh, I'll be reading, just uh, follow as you sit there uh, in your pew. Uh, the Bible says this, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from his birth was being carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple uh, that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, and did, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And he, leaping up, stood and began to walk and entered uh, the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for his power, for his miracle, for his uh, desire to work even through his, his apostles to uh, heal these people in need. Now, I, I share this, this miracle uh, that uh, is performed here in Acts chapter uh, 3 because I can relate and I can share a lot from a, a Venezuelan cultural perspective. And that's what I would like to bring to you. I, I say this at churches often, and I, I cannot skip saying this just to clarify I know I speak English, but English is not my first language. 
It is Spanish. I would much rather be speaking to you in Spanish this morning with some kind of translator. I have preached my whole life and all the scripture I've ever memorized is in Spanish. So all this is, is jumbling up in my mouth and I apologize if, if I'm uh, uh, chewing words up or if I'm pronouncing something wrong or if you find me for a loss of words, I, I, am, I am translating in my mind and I'm trying not to do that. Uh, but uh, as, I, as I share this, I would also uh, like to say that growing up as a missionary kid in Venezuela gives me a little bit of, of a different perspective that some of you will be able to relate to. You will be able to identify when we read scripture here uh, on, on Peter and John going to the temple. This is a custom they had uh, to do daily. Sometimes uh, people would go two, three times a day to the temple to pray. And uh, this is something that was a strategic spot for this man who was brought daily to this gate, this entrance uh, towards the temple. And uh, it, it, was, it was a good spot. Have you ever seen a person, a beggar, uh, who chooses a specific spot in some street to beg, and if somebody else comes, he's like, hey, hey, this is my spot. Yeah, find your own spot. Find your own place. All right, this is something very common. In Venezuela, there is a, a huge uh, lack of everything right now. The whole country is collapsing. I don't want to get into that too much. But the truth is, we see beggars everywhere. We see people in, in sick uh, need of medicine, need of help. And some people have become professional beggars, you know. They make more money begging than they do working a job. So all they do is beg. And so what happens is when you start seeing a person like this all day long, at first uh, we, we, we would see children, you know, walking up and asking for money, and they'll break your heart. And you really feel bad for these people, and you want to you wanna do something about it. But then you see it again, except for this time you sort of catch somebody sort of sending them. And then you see that these kids are, are, are working with other people and just begging as just a way of life. And some children will come to your house and they'll say, first, I'm hungry, can you give me something to eat? But then the next time they'll say, my mom said if you could send some raw vegetables this time. And then you're like, what? No, I'm not going to send you raw vegetables. So it's, it's not this kid's coming for hunger, it's mom sending these kids out to beg. And so your heart starts changing. From, oh, man, I wish I could do something to, oh, this is annoying. This is something that, that, that's getting in your way, and you start reacting differently. Now, why do I mention this? Because this was something Peter and John saw all the time. Yes? This isn't the first time they've seen the beggar. He was laid daily there, and I'm sure Peter and John probably knew this man by name. <laughs> and he probably knew them as well, knew who they were had seen them and seen the ministry, he, he had to have known what was going on in, in Israel at the time. And uh, he sees Peter and John about to go into the temple, and so he asked alms. He asked for some help, for financial help. And the story goes on to, to say this, and Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. Now this is where the story for me changes a little bit, because when you live in a culture like this, you start ignoring these beggars, see? When they come at you, 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 they'll fight to see who gets to wash your windshield or clean your windshield. They'll, they'll fight to see who gets to, to do what. Uh, people will fight to see who gets the leftovers of your food. All these things start happening, so you, you don't make eye contact. You don't, because that's sort of inviting them in. You sort of call them in, and then they're expecting something, and then they're going to be bringing somebody else who's also going to be expecting. So you sort of ignore this. 
here, when I read this, it catches my attention because Peter's walking in, he sees this man, he asks for help, and Peter stops, and, and John look at him, and they're both looking at this guy, gazing straight at him, and they say, hey, look on us. And he fixes his attention on them, verse 5, expecting to receive something of them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold. I try to imagine myself in the beggar's so like, come on. Why did you stop and do this? Just move along. About three people passed. I missed an opportunity to ask them. You know, just move along. If you have no money, that's fine. Just move along. But I I imagine he goes, hey, silver and gold, I don't have any of it. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He says, what I do have, what I do have, I will give you. And I know I'm preaching to a church who has no lack of teachers. So I'm not teaching you something you don't know. I just would like to remind you something. We have something to give. Would you say that to somebody beside you this morning? You have something to give. Would you lean over and say, you have something This is important because we're living in a world where I find more and more Christians at workplaces and different hiding because they feel I have nothing to offer. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever struggled with that thought? Uh, Perhaps somebody else would be better qualified to do this. I don't think I I, I can really bring much to the table here. I I don't know what I can offer in this scenario. And sometimes we see other people with so many talents and so many abilities and we're like... Ah, I think God is making a mistake by putting me in this situation. Why wouldn't he put someone else? And we find excuses and we, we think to ourselves, I have nothing to give. I remember uh, struggling in my personal life uh, when I was just a kid. I, I grew, grew up as, as, obviously my dad's a pastor, missionary, so I'm at church every day. And, and, and as I'm growing up, uh, everybody in my family is serving one way or the other. And when I was just really young, I remember being afraid one night in my room, and my, my brothers are being bullies, and they're scaring me, and Dad comes downstairs and got him into trouble, and I enjoyed that. But that's not the point of the story. The story is that Dad preached to me that night. And I was, I was aware that there was a God, and I, and I wanted him in my life, and so I prayed and asked him into my life. A little time after that, I was baptized. But from that moment on, I remember struggling in my life, serving God. I found myself not motivated, but wanting to, but every time there was something or another stopping me, although I was very young, most of my friends, they were, being, they were involved at church, and I wanted to be more involved. I was probably 13 years old when a group came to the church to help build my dad's church up, and they were adding a different area to the church, and there were building a second story to the church as well. And uh, this man got up on Sunday, uh, a director from the mission board. Uh, his name's eluding me right now. But as he was preaching, he was preaching through, through Scripture about serving the Lord. And I remember it spoke to my heart, that desire to serve him, and that desire to, to, to follow God. And he spoke, uh, gave several illustrations, and all of them were about service. But finally, during the invitation... He, he mentioned uh, the fact that perhaps we weren't serving God because God wasn't our Lord, wasn't our Savior, and we had never 
genuinely met him or known him and made an invitation for salvation. And I remember the, the Holy Spirit convicting me of my sin. I knew that moment I was a sinner, that I was on my way to hell, but I was embarrassed of the people around me and, and to go forward. And I'm thinking about it. Finally, uh, the, the Holy Spirit moved me so much. I went forward thinking the whole church was going to go forward as well. I was the only person in front of me, hoping that my parents wouldn't notice me. And uh, both my parents walk up to me and they're like, Nathan, what are you doing? And uh, so I told them, I said, I, I don't believe I'm saved. And I'm thankful for godly parents who brought me off to a side and said, Nathan, do you, do you believe you're a sinner? Yes. Do you believe that there's consequence for your sins? Yes. Do you believe God Christ came to die for your sins? Yes. And do you want to invite him into your heart, into your life, to ask him to forgive your sins? Yes. And so he's my mom looked at me and said, it's simple. God wants to save you. You want to be saved. What's stopping you? So we got on our knees, and I remember asking God to come into my heart, to forgive me for my sins. And right away, this overwhelming desire to serve God. And I remember telling God, God, if you open a door in my life, I will go through that door. Lord, if you open an opportunity... I will go through that. I was only about 13 years old, but I remember telling him, Lord, I want to serve you with my life. I want, I want to give you my, my life. <laughs> so a few, few, few weeks after that, a young lady at our church walks up to me and says, Nathan, uh, would you like helping us in Sunday school teaching the six and seven-year-old kids? And uh, my spiritual response was, I'll pray about it. But let me pray, seek God about this. You know, there's, there's some things that we don't need to pray about. That, that sounds almost unbiblical, but it's true. Because we already know what God wants us to do about it. We already know what we're supposed to be doing about it. Because God said it clearly in his word. And here I am, not doing anything. And I remember I did. I went to, to, to the house and I went alone in my room, closed the door and prayed. And I felt God slap me behind my head. And say, you're not doing anything. Yes, get up. I want you to serve. Yes, get up and do something. There's an opportunity to serve, sir. So I, I, I did. I began serving. I didn't feel qualified to do it. I was very young. But still, there was a need in the Sunday school class. There was nobody to fill that need. So I did that, then teaching a youth group. And uh, then as an associate pastor at my dad's church, and once I graduated from Bible college, they asked me to teach archaeology for a while. And all these things, there were always things that were asked of me that I did not feel qualified to do. Never feel prepared to do. But in obedience to God, I always said, Lord, if you open a door, I'll go through that door. If you open up an opportunity, I will follow. But always struggling in my heart saying, God, I don't feel prepared for this. Especially when God started calling me into ministry. When God started calling me into full-time service and and struggling as a teenager saying, God, I, I don't feel ready to do this work. I don't feel prepared. And uh, I, looked at, I look at this, this story, and I see John, and I see Peter saying, look at us, I have something to give. What do they have to give? He says, I don't have silver, I don't have gold. Silver and gold would have solved the problem for that day. This man would have fed his family or himself, but tomorrow would have been at the same spot again with food. But what Peter offered him what Peter had changed this person's life forever. And this is what happens when we meet Jesus. But what we have is a living Savior 
who desires to have a personal relationship with someone else that will radically change the way, their way of life, that will change their life forever. Like this woman at the well. <laughs> she came every day for water. God says, I can give you living water. Radically changes this person's life. We have to understand that as Christians, we have this. I came to this understanding just as a young man. I was teaching uh, at church, and we were organizing several VBSs during uh, vacation Bible schools for summer. And they asked me to direct one vacation Bible school in the town called an Eneal. It was a, a, a town outside of the city. And this town uh, had a lot of children. So we went, we did a caravan. We organized cars and, and follow one behind the other, honking horns. The cars are covered with sheets of paper that says, this week VBS come for free. And you have kids with, with puppets in their hands hanging out the windows and they've got music going on the speaker phones and everything sounding then some kids dress up as clowns jumping around, so teenagers dress up as clowns jumping around and running around in the front and then we stop at a specific area and all the kids run out of the car and all the leaders work out and we run out and we hand out flyers and then we pile back into the vehicles and kept going to another area and then hand it out and this is what we do for VBS we did about 30 vacation Bible schools at our church every summer in different areas of town with about 500 children every, every day for vacation Bible school. And I had to organize one out in Leneal. It was the first time I directed one. And we're doing our caravan and we're going out to Leneal. And we're going and everything's going fine. I'm driving one of the vehicles and we stopped. And I say in the microphone, all right, everybody get out the cars, hand out flyers. And we're waiting for everybody to come back in. And I notice a kid up, up the hill who's walking with his little donkey. He'd been in a field working or something like this, probably about 12 years old. I'm thinking he's going to come towards the, the caravan that we're announcing. And there's candy and there's everything. And no, instead he turned around and walked away. I hopped off the car, run up to him, handed him a flyer and said in Spanish, Mira, te invito a la escuela bíblica vacacional. Esta semana va a ser asombroso. Vamos a tener muchas actividades. And just like you, he was like, what? Can you please slow down? What, what, what's this all about? So I said, it's about Jesus, which is Spanish for Jesus. And he goes, what Jesus? Because Jesus is a common name in Spanish. I said, oh, I'm sorry. It's, it's Jesus de la Biblia, from the Bible. I didn't have a Bible in my hand when he said And he said, what Bible? never been in a situation like this. It's a Catholic country. I had never met someone who didn't know what the Bible was. Didn't know how to read or write. Never heard the name of Jesus presented from the Bible. So, reach out to the New Testament, open it up, and try to show verses to explain. And he's asking some questions, I'm explaining heaven and hell. Start honking the horn at the caravan. They're waiting for me. I said, would you, would you come to VBS this week? I would love you to come. He said, okay, I'll come. He did. He came all week. I wasn't able to be in the class. I was directing some other things. But one of the days, one of the teachers said, hey, Brother Arcee, that kid you brought, look, he's over there. And he was asking God to come into his life. He was asking God to forgive him from his sins. I still remember to this day looking at this kid and my heart getting small and saying, Lord, I may not do much in my life, but I want to do this. And that night, I opened my Bible, 
to the book of John. Go, go with me to John chapter 1, verse 40. I'll close with this. John chapter 1, verse 40. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him, and followed, uh, followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looks at him and said, You are Simon the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. I love this story because it brought to my mind the wonderful stories of who Peter was and all the the ministries he was involved in. But for the first time in my life, I realized there was Andrew who brought Peter to the feet of Jesus. And I thought, Andrew? Who's Andrew? And I looked around in the Bible if I could find another story of Andrew. And it was hard to find. He's usually mentioned in like an outline where all the names of the apostles are, are on. But that's about it. Until you find one story of a miracle. It's a miracle of the feeding of 5,000 men at least and then their families. And it was fed by a little kid who brought, what was it? The loaves of bread and, and the, the fish. It was brought by a little boy, but it was brought to who? Jesus said, let's feed all these people. In Matthew, we learned that, I think it was Nathaniel who said, Lord, send them home. (laughs) Philip said, Lord, we we have like, I don't know how many drachmas. We don't have enough to feed all these people. Let's do a fundraiser. (laughs) But it was Andrew who said, Lord, here's a little child. I mean, I, I don't know what to do with five loaves of bread and two fish, but here, I'll bring them to you. I don't know what you can do about this. And I remember asking God that day, Lord, I don't have to be a Peter. I don't have to be that preacher that's well known. I just want to be faithful in bringing people to your feet and watching you do the rest. Watch you do the rest. See, in the story of the feeding of the 5,000, everybody gave an option. And finally, God just said, sit down, sit down and bring me the bread and bring me the fish. I love it because when we bring... something to Jesus, Jesus wants us to just rest in him because he can do the rest. Because it's not like pastor was saying in prayer, it's not about who we are, it's about who he is. And when we're challenged by stories like this, Peter and John walking into the temple, seeing this man saying, I have nothing to give. We live in a world where, where so many people are trying to do in their own strength. And the truth is that in us, there is nothing to give. But we do have a relationship with somebody who change their lives and what a joy it has been throughout the years to be able to just see people coming to the feet of Jesus and watch Jesus change alcoholics watch Jesus change people who are who who have been tied to to drugs for so many years come out of this and now serving God it is amazing what God can do but it starts when somebody says Christian walk with God. And as we walk throughout this week, 
God will give you an opportunity to see a need. I can give you several examples. My time's gone. I'll, I'll give you one. I arrived and was changing the, ch- the tires of my SUV at Walmart. Looked around. It was the best prices. And I was frustrated with the people at Walmart. They were taking forever. I'm talking about like four hours at forever to change four tires. Just take them off, put new ones on. Don't know what was so hard. But apparently it takes four hours to do that. <clears throat> and I'm frustrated at Walmart going around going, Lord, I have a lot of things to do. Please have these people hurry up. I had walked in and asked them several times, very nicely, I have to leave. Please hurry. Just put the tires on. Can, can I help? No, sir, you cannot. I did. I offered help. <laughs> I know how to change a tire, but no, they wouldn't let me. Okay. Walked inside. I'm frustrated. And this lady walks up to me and says, uh, Sir, do you think these shorts would fit? That was the first thing she said. She didn't ask, would they fit you or would they fit me? And I'm going, they don't fit me, obviously, and I don't think they fit her. Um, so I said, who are the shorts for? She said, I'm sorry, it's for my husband. Uh, he just had a hip replacement. He's not doing very good. And I'm trying to find some shorts that he's very thin. And these would look a little loose, and they might fit him comfortable around that operation. It's very sore. So I walk with her towards where the shorts are, and I start giving her tips on the shorts, you know. And uh, I just got talking with her. And uh, because of time, I'm just going to say this. This lady ended up crying because her marriage, after 50 years, is falling apart because of his depression, because of what's going on. And I was able to share Jesus with this woman. And we're at Walmart, and I'm hugging her with my hands up in the air praying for her life. And that God would change it and that she would be able to come to Jesus Christ. And although she did not make a decision, she said she was going to go to her church that she hadn't visited for years. And, and, and I walked out of there saying, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry because you had brought me here for this reason. And this was what you wanted me to be there four hours for. And sometimes we get calloused. And we stop looking at the needs that God is putting in front of us. And we forget that we should be telling the world, look at us. I have something to give. And it's not silver or gold that I have. It is a name that is above every other name. And it is the name of Jesus. I encourage you this week, as you go home, as you go to work, as you go do whatever you have to do, that you would not be calloused, but that you would open your eyes and tell the world, look at me, I have something to give, and it is my relationship with Jesus, and I wish you to have the same because he can make a difference in your life. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, Father, I pray as I share this testimony of mine with the people, Lord, that perhaps here sitting this morning, there may be someone who does not know you as their Lord and Savior, who today might understand that they are sinners and that sin is is separating them from you. Lord, they, they may also understand, Lord, that your word declares that you sent your only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. And that he is the only one who can satisfy your justice for our sin. He is the only one who could take our place, who could pay the price. He's the sinless lamb of God.
Lord, if there's someone today that has not come to you and ask that you would forgive them of their sins, confessing and believing and accepting that eternal gift that you desire to give, Lord, that today would be the day. That today would be the day of their salvation. Lord, I pray that every church member, as they hear your word today and as they think about what you are doing in their lives, and there was a few other things I wanted to say, Lord, you know this, but as they leave with this thought, Lord, we have something to share, but we're so calloused to the situations that you're putting us in this world day by day, to the people around us and what they're going through and that they're turning to us. Who else will they go to? Lord, that we should be that light that shines in this world, that we should stand as Peter and say, hey, stop, stop what you're doing. Look at me. I have something that I would like to share. Lord, that we would be bold, that that we would be not ashamed, and that stand up in the darkness and say, I have have a living Savior who changed my life, and I would like you to meet him. Lord, give us this opportunity, Lord. I pray this. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.